There will be no eating at the Hong Kong Food Expo. The state of Massachusetts grants exoneration to its last remaining witch. And Red Bull addicts lead the Las Vegas police on car chases and other antics. These are the weird stories for Tuesday on Weird AF News. The only daily weird news podcast hosted by a comedian. I have three weird kinky stories from around the world for your ears only. For your ears only. Only for you. And if you want to have a friend listen, that's cool. Hong Kong bans eating at the annual food expo. How do you ban eating at a food expo? What are we supposed to do? Just smell the food? Just look at it? That's like telling me I can't get a happy ending at the massage place, guys. (laughs) I'm kidding. I don't do that sort of thing. And I wouldn't tell you if I did. It says here, visitors to Hong Kong's annual exhibition of global gourmet food. Wow, that's a long title for a food expo. It's not a food expo, guys. It's an exhibition of global gourmet cuisine. (laughs) But no eating. No eating. It says here, visitors will once again not be allowed to sample the delicacies. Wow, this has happened before. Just shut it down, bro. (laughs) What are you trying to do this for? It says, once again, they can't sample the delicacies due to the coronavirus curbs. Um, This is according to the organizer a couple days ago. Tens of thousands of visitors and hundreds of exhibitors are expected at this five-day-long food expo. And it's uh, starting on Thursday in the city's convention and exhibition center. Shut it down! What's wrong with you, man? Really? It's like going to, like, a beer festival and they don't let you drink anything. This is ridiculous. Says the second year in a row, there won't be any tasting areas and all attendees must keep their masks on. Oh, man. So you ain't, you're not going to be able to even smell this food with your mask on. This is due to public health restrictions. Here's a quote from someone named Sophia. She's the CEO. We understand that visitors would like to taste the samples. We hope we can resume this arrangement after the pandemic when it's safe and hygienic to do it. Shut it down, Sophia. Shut it down. Honestly, what are you doing? (laughs) Sophia doesn't give a damn. She says, we're not concerned by the impacts on the exhibition. This is going to be the second year of the tasting ban. In fact, the number of exhibitors participating in this year's food expo actually exceeded that of last year. Yeah, that's because they thought you'd be able to taste things this year, (laughs) ma'am. You okay? Because last year, you probably had a lack of exhibitors. You probably had like a downturn. And they're like, well, this year can't possibly be no tasting. And then, surprise, no tasting a few days before you're supposed to open the doors. I don't even know how you buy a ticket to this event. Like if you're a foodie, you can't participate at all in taking in of this gourmet cuisine once you're there, other than looking at it. It's almost as though the organizers of this food expo don't even understand the basic principles of food and how food relates to humans. It's in the tasting and the smelling. I mean, it's like, imagine going to like a wine event and there was no wine to be tasted. Like you could just look at it. You couldn't even smell it. I mean, I mean, Hong Kong, I know is a little strict with this stuff, but are we going to be heading back to this guys? I heard about a mask mandate coming to California soon. (sighs) Not again, guys. <laughs> Not again. I can't do it again. I can't. <laughs> like, I can't live in a world where I'm not allowed to drink the beer at the brewery. 
or no more stand-up comedy shows. I cannot. I cannot, guys. The state of Massachusetts gives absolution to its last remaining witch. This story is out of Salem, Massachusetts, a place where I lived for a couple of years. I love Salem, Massachusetts. I highly recommend it as a place to visit if you ever find yourself in Boston. It's not too far. Uh, The article begins here by saying, The very last remaining Massachusetts resident, legally classified as a witch, has been given a reprieve as part of a budget bill that was signed by the governor, Charlie Baker. Let's turn back the clock, guys, to 1693. Elizabeth Johnson was one of 30 people who were convicted as part of the Salem witch hysteria, but the only one who hadn't later been exonerated by the state legislature. I wonder why. But because she hadn't been exonerated, this made her the last person still regarded, as far as the state legal system was concerned, as a witch. She was still regarded as being in league with Satan. Yep. Doesn't say why she was still considered a witch, though. Oh, I mean, maybe she really was a witch, guys. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, not, it's a hysteria. It wasn't real. All of that was just fantasy. So sad. You know, part of our history, though, and if you ever go to Salem, there's a lot of places that you can visit surrounding the witch hysteria, like the witch dungeon, the witch museum, the old burial ground, and um, the witch monuments. I highly recommend it. Just a really cool historical spot over there. Well, the good news for Elizabeth Johnson was that she had people on her side. Johnson's cause was championed for over three years by Carrie LaPierre, an eighth grade teacher in North Andover, where Johnson lived more than three centuries ago. LaPierre led her class in learning about those witch trials, contacting legislators, helping draft legislation, and even lobbying state officials on behalf of this witch. The teacher's first step was to engage the help of state senator Diane DeZoglio, a Democrat who represents parts of North Andover. DeZoglio became excited about the witchcraft issue, even though her past legislative efforts focused less on the excesses of Puritan morality and more on mundane issues such as earned income tax credits. Uh, I love how <laughs> we have these, these people in legislative positions working on the old witchcraft issue instead of current problems that we have (laughs) i mean not to say that i don't think this witch should be exonerated but i mean last time i looked around we got some serious problems here and i i'm very familiar with that area because my hometown is adjacent to north andover there is a well there's an opioid epidemic for one going on over there but okay let's let's uh let the witches off the hook from 400 years ago (laughs) (sighs) says here many of the witches were exonerated by the Massachusetts legislature when they passed the bills in 1957, shortly after Arthur Miller's play The Crucible dramatized the Salem witch trials. Again, they were more were exonerated in 2001. Those bills focused primarily on people who were put to death as witches. Um, Johnson was overlooked and remained the very last person in the state guilty of witchcraft in the eyes of the law. There are such things called ceremonial laws, in case you were wondering. These laws don't have a practical effect. They're frequently taken up by school civics classes, and as many as 200 state laws have been passed as a result of school children that, uh, along with their teacher, usually, as in this case, push for these. Another example is in Florida, legislators approved a bill to make porpoises the official state saltwater mammal because 
They didn't bother looking up the fact that porpoises are a different species from dolphins and aren't native to Florida, apparently. So if nothing else, the exoneration effort in Massachusetts of this last witch shines light on the fact that it was nearby Andover and not Salem that was the real epicenter of the hysteria. The article actually gives a lot of numbers about the number of witches that were up in that area rather than Salem. Salem, of course, being famous for it. Salem gets the attention in part because it has found it to be profitable to embrace its witch history. The city actively lures tourists with a witch house, a witch museum, and a statue of Elizabeth Montgomery, the star of the 1960s TV show Bewitched. Police cars in Salem have a witch logo. A public elementary school is known as Witchcraft Heights, and the high school athletic teams are called the Witches. And each year, the city has an extremely elaborate Halloween celebration. Oh, it's tremendous with the parade. Oh, I've gone to that Halloween on a number of times. I've had the best Halloweens in Salem. Oh, well, here's something fascinating and part of the impetus for this law. It says here, when she was sentenced to death for consorting with the Prince of Darkness, Johnson was a 22-year-old woman who apparently had significant developmental disabilities. And uh, the effort to grant Johnson clemency highlights the historical mistreatment of socially marginal people and those with intellectual challenges. Yeah, I mean, if you had the poor luck to be born with some sort of mental challenge or a disability during the witch hysteria, they might have thought, you know, you were possessed. So, man, it has always been tough stuff being a woman, huh? Really difficult. Even today, still, tough stuff being a woman. Red Bull addicts led the police on a 100-mile-per-hour chase. A self-described Red Bull addict led the Las Vegas police on a car chase which reached speeds of over 100 miles per hour through Las Vegas. This is after the officers claimed they pepper-sprayed an employee during a Red Bull robbery. Oh, man. Red Bull is at the center of this. Red Bull addiction is real, guys. It's real. I've experienced it myself. You know I'm a caffeine junkie. And I usually do the coffee and the cold brew, but... I don't know, I was at the dollar store once, and they had Red Bull for a dollar a can. I never see it for a dollar a can. You better believe I had five cases in my shopping cart right then and there. Man, I pounded Red Bull for a good, I don't know, month. I didn't go on any destructive Red Bull-infused car chases or robberies, but I, I definitely played my share of Call of Duty that month and broke some records. Very proud of my service. <laughs> okay, so... It says here, two employees at a Costco witnessed a woman, later identified as Sharp, stealing a shopping cart full of Red Bull cases. An employee attempted to intervene, and that's when Sharp pepper sprayed her and took off. And there's a man in here that was later identified as Davis. He got out of the car and helped drag the cart full of Red Bull closer to the vehicle. The woman pepper sprayed more employees. Then they drove off with their Red Bull cachet. Probably on their way to like a Red Bull house, you know. It's like a crack house, but it's just for Red Bull. Police obtained surveillance video of this incident. An employee told the police these suspects stole the Red Bull from the store. They corroborated what was on the video. It was about 25 cases of Red Bull estimated to be worth $2,500. also says an employee took photos of the getaway car. Well, they didn't really plan well for this. The car appeared to be the same in both incidents, in the video and the chase. Okay, there's a mugshot. Oh boy, don't look at that. Let's move on. 
Police learned about a third case that reportedly happened in the middle of July at another Costco. In that case, a man matching the same description was, quote, acting suspiciously with a cart full of Red Bull cases. <laughs> wow, they've just been stealing cart full of Red Bulls. Cart fulls of Red Bull. Is that how you say it? English, Jonesy, do you speak it? Now, when the previous Red Bull heist was happening at the other Costco, an employee approached the same man who's been implicated in the latest Red Bull heist. And the man reportedly said to the employee, you want some of this? And then hit the employee's face with his elbow. Wow, you want some of this? You don't want some of this, this Red Bull elbow. The suspect then yelled, I will blast you guys and shoot you, which is pretty redundant. Uh, I mean, I will shoot you kind of means the same as I will blast you. I mean, unless by blast you mean you have a blowtorch of some sort. You're going you're gonna to shoot a flame and then shoot them with a gun. You know? uh, in a fourth incident, four incidents? <laughs> a man with the same description entered another store and stole 20 cases of Red Bull. When an employee confronted the suspect, he said, don't approach me, I have a firearm, I will use it if you approach. And then he took off with the Red Bull. The driver's been identified. This is the two people. They know who they are. They're the Red Bull bandits. While in custody, the woman told the police she was the suspect in not all of those robberies, but just a couple. She said, quote, I did it because I'm addicted to Red Bull. That's the quote. I did it because I'm addicted to Red Bull. I told you guys it's very serious. I myself am addicted to cold brew, so if I don't get my cold brew, guys, I might have to go out there on a rampage, so you know what you need to do. You need to donate to Jonesy's Cold Brew Fund. You can do that by going to weirdafnews.com. <laughs> oh, yeah, see how I squeeze that in there? Yay! Hey, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Weird AF News. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. There's a million gazillion podcasts out there, and you chose Weird AF News today. Thank you. I hope I was a nice distraction from the debilitating mainstream news that you sometimes take in throughout the day. If you'd like to support the show, leave me a review on Amazon. Yeah, you all have an Amazon account. Well, just look up Weird AF News. It's an Alexa skill. And you can write a little review there. Give me some stars. Please give me two or more stars. I'd really appreciate that. You know, try and offset all these one-star reviews. Um, would appreciate that. And, uh, oh, also, the only other thing I want you to do is to tell yourself today that you love yourself. Do it. Do it for Jonesy. If you want to call the show, you can tell me you love me as well. 646-450-2012. That'd be very nice. <laughs>